the 1950s saw the emergence of a new era of horror films that were heavily influenced by the cultural anxieties and fears of the post-war period. There were a number of significant developments in horror filmmaking, with filmmakers exploring a range of themes and techniques to scare and entertain audiences. While some films were constrained by the censorship of the production code, others were able to push the boundaries of what was acceptable on screen. Welcome back to another episode of So You Like Horror. So if you've all been following along, we've been kind of doing uh, this and that type podcast where we're talking about horror. We talk about a specific theme or a franchise, and then we'll jump to decades. Now, we've already done the 20s, the 30s, and the 40s, and peppered in there, we talked about Leprechaun and and event horizon and things like that but now we're going to bring it all back to the decades and we're going to talk about the 1950s and for this episode my co-host is a familiar voice he worked on on the episodes with me for um splatter films we also talked about the music that scares us i'm going to welcome back jonathan what's going on my friend barbarian that was a good one we did do the barbarian one yes Yes. we did yes we did it's great to Actually, be back, man. Thanks for having me. No, no, thank you for making I, the time. I always so. enjoy uh, being on your on your podcast because you guys always you, you're good talking heads. I enjoy listening. You know, I definitely enjoy well, listening you. to like. It's obvious that you and everybody that hosts this has knows their stuff. So, oh, I'm I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm going to be honest. I I I'd like to just have you all on as guests as, as you know conversation points you know everyone has been on you my wife joe marilyn phil Teresa, you know manuel everyone who's been on an episode it's just always good conversation so you know i definitely have to give a lot of credit to you all as the co-hosts of the show as well so thank you again to everyone and thank you jonathan for making the time to do this man sure thing man and I did get some feedback on the Barbarian episode from a couple of people that actually really enjoyed that episode. So, oh, cool. Like, you know, most lists I see have that as like the top horror movie of last year. Hmm. So I, I think, yeah. you know, even if it's it was a little controversial between us as to how great it was, I still I hear that's. But we're not here to talk about the most popular ones from last year. We're here to talk <laughs> about the most popular ones when our parents were born. Or yeah, when they were true. little kids, right? Way to really sink that one in just to remind me, geez, Louise, <laughs> our parents were born in the 50s. Good grief. And my wow. mom was born in the 40s, but she would have been a little kid in the 50s. My dad was right in 1950. I feel like my mom was 57. That's okay, okay. Like so I, I believe, I, I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't be keeping track. Like I start thinking, like, how, because my daughter always asks me, Dad, you know, were you alive in this decade? <laughs> like, girl, how old do you think I am? <laughs> like, oh, the 90s is so far away. Girl, do you want to be punished? Like, grounded for like, <laughs> like years? <laughs> Chill out. My childhood. So, yeah, with the 1950s, 
uh, one of the things that I really want to get into as I was just looking at the horror movies through the decades and just kind of how to approach this was not so much about let's talk about you know movie by movie as much as it was talking about the deck you know the the decades events and what made the movies and why those movies were popular so you know in the 1950s we're, we're kind of coming out of world war ii uh, you know world war ii you know ends in the 40s but you know you still have kind of that that um backdraft if you will you know well, it, was the, it was the cold war it was yeah, the cold yeah, war the, and it was also post hiroshima we found out what nuclear mm-hmm. weapons could do and what technological yeah. advances we had made could do yeah and and, and that's kind of what created our monsters in in theory was like it wasn't so much about the monsters as much as it's the people who are behind the creation of the monsters uh not so much like you know dr frankenstein and frankenstein's monster but like again the the nuclear weapons you know the atom bomb hydrogen bombs and you know the mad scientist well that's what we one of the movies you gave me was the 1954 movie them about the uh, the giant ants in that they found in nevada and one of what they found and they found them specifically in nevada because they were the product of nuclear war uh they were a product of the tests the nuclear tests that they did in the desert in nevada and apparently the fallout from the radiation caused these ants to mutate and become giant and of course later they escaped to la like a couple of the queens escape and go to different places but you know it's that's coming out of like this atomic monster and the whole idea of the uncertainty uh, first of all, the, like the situation with Russia and the uncertainty or the USSR, just, you know, there was always this, you know, people were hiding under their desks and, and you know, they, we were preparing for nuclear war, you know, with Russia. And sometimes it seemed like it was any minute, like, you know, with, with the standoff with Cuba in the early 60s, but I mean, this was a real fear, like the fear of nuclear war with with the USSR, and we knowing what these things can do. I, it just influenced everything in that decade. Yeah, I mean, when you look at, you know, just kind of that ideal of like, you know, what could happen, you know, what's possible. You know, a lot of the horror movies from that decade dealt with animals. You know, like in the 40s, you had a lot of animal horror, but it was more like, you know, transformation. Like, like you know, again, you know, cat people, uh, the curse <laughs> of the cat people. It, you know, it was silly things like that. But then when you come in, you know, those had to do with like curses, you know. And then when you get into the 50s, it became more about like alligator people and and um the blob you know godzilla (laughs) and the big one and that that's something that comes up um in the conversation quite often when i would bring up godzilla as a horror movie not a lot of people are like that's a horror movie and watching godzilla there are parts of it where you can kind of get that sense of terror you know early on in the film especially before you actually see the monster you know, they did a very good job at setting the stage and kind of adding this mystery to it where 
almost kind of like paranormal or not paranormal activity. Well, that too, but a uh, Blair Witch, where you never see the Blair Witch. You use your own imagination to scare you. With Godzilla, they kind of toy with that a little bit, but you know they did still have some effects in there to kind of give you the sense of there is this monster that's to be feared. Um, so when you look at the fifties and how they uh, built the horror movies. You know, a lot of it had to do with, you know, these monsters, these animals, these creatures that either uh, grew to monstrous sizes or, you know, they, they became super intelligent and took over. But one way or the other, like the world was well aware of the possibilities and the fears that came with it. And I think a lot of it, too, is our... Uh human inventions or human technology assisted some of these monsters in or created some of these monsters or at least assisted them in becoming gigantic in many of these movies maybe not godzilla but you know in in them it happened also in the fly it's a human the matter uh the matter transporter machine or whatever the uh, mm-hmm. uh i can't remember the scientist's name was using i mean a lot of these things yeah like human invention it creates we create the chaos and unleash it on ourselves it's kind of ironic you know yeah absolutely i I always feel like when you think about those those types of movies i was telling my wife that you know as we watched some of the films i was like i remember watching a lot of these as a kid you know just being a kid of the early 80s and you know I don't really want to say late 70s. I was born in 78. So it's like, there's not too much I remember going on in the 70s, but you got right, that carryover. Right. But, you know, I remember watching Godzilla as a kid. I remember watching Cat People as a kid. Uh, Creature from the, the Black 19- Lagoon. Is Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yep. Castello uh, Meet the Mummy. Right. Mm-hmm. Invasion yep. of the Body Snatchers, the very first, uh, another technology. This, of course, science fiction and from a different, different you know, place. But- yeah. Still, it's that idea of, of unknown technology and unknown universes. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when you look at, you know, kind of the recurrent themes you had in that decade as well. I mean, obviously, you had, you know, the fear of, you know, nuclear war happening, you know, just on a larger scale, mm-hmm. uh, number one. But then also you, you had the fear of communism becoming you know, this thing where you look at films like, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you know, as as a big example, um, where there's this ideal of like, you know, we're being taken over, you know, we're, you know, th- there's going to be someone that's going to come in and replace us type deal. Uh, it, you know, when you look at that decade and try to put yourself in that place, because one thing I always say about older movies is that there's very little respect for them from you know the general population because we're desensitized these days so people just look at these films and think oh well they're not scary but it's like you have to put yourself in those times and realize why these things would have been scary to the citizens and the moviegoers of the time like one of the things again also you take into account is um the blob you know stuff coming from outer space. One thing that I, I don't know that many people 
you know, know or recognize is that we didn't start talking about alien invasions and flying saucers and spaceships and UFOs until after World War II and the bombs were dropped. And all of a sudden, after that, suddenly we start getting UFO sightings, you know, for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe aliens were out there and saw, oh, my God, look, these monkeys out here blowing each other up. We got to go stop them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's go talk to them. You know, and, you know, we had Roswell and everything, and that all kind of cropped up in the 50s. You know, that, I tell you what, that could be like a podcast in itself because I love 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 aliens you know i uh you know it's it's funny you know some of these movies like i know you brought up invasion of the body snatchers that goes that's so heavily layered with the times i think the original i think idea was this anti-mccarthyism and mccarthy was going around you know like trying to I mean, everybody was a communist and people were being persecuted and people were being blacklisted and jailed because of, you know, they thought they were thought to be communists. And I think, I actually think if I'm, I, I don't remember this exactly, but I think the, you know, the, the, the studio or, or the movie theater, probably out of fear of, of, of that, they, they turned that anti-McCarthyism into anti-communist like tone of the movie you know kind of changed it a little and made the movie like oh no this is like the pod people are kind of like communists they're not you know yeah being persecuted some of these movies went pretty deep man i mean some of these movies were mm -hmm. and i think you know i remember them just and i actually wrote quote down the the old man scientist that came with his daughter yeah. To, I don't. I don't know if you remember. Like, I guess they were like the bug specialist or, or some shit. He said, "When yes, man yeah, entered the that. atomic age, he opened the door to a new world, and what we may eventually find in that new world, nobody can predict." And I think that that quote is, you know, you know, standard like movie quote as it is, kind of defines a lot of the the movies in the fifties. But mm -hmm. I also think the fifties had some great just monster movies like the creature yes. from the black lagoon like godzilla and one thing i'll say and i'll shut up a little is the 50s still to this day has the coolest movie posters i've ever seen man yeah. like I, I don't know if you've ever seen i was looking but look up the poster for invasion of the saucer men or even the poster for them like those are two of the coolest. I mean, these were the coolest posters in in the world. I think. Like, had I known as a teenager that these posters existed, I probably would have put them up on my walls. You know, just because they were so cool looking, even without having seen the movies. But I think that fifties has a good legacy of cool movie poster art. Well, I definitely think the fifties, you know, kind of, you know, as horror, you know, started off many decades ago. But the 50s, I think, is where we start to really get our foot in on what's scary to people. But also, not just what's scary to people, but it's like the understanding of having to shapeshift, for lack of a better, you know, term there. But, you know, having to 
you know, you know, when you come off the 40s where everything was so formulaic and you had a lot of sequels, you know, specifically with the Universal monsters and stuff like that, you know, you, you really got into this bubble of what do we do next? How do we change things up? And, you know, when you come through with science fiction, because again, back to Godzilla, you know, people are like, it's not a horror movie. It's more of a sci-fi film. And it's like, well, no, there's some scary elements to that movie, but you're correct. It is a sci-fi film, but sci-fi and horror have always kind of walked side by side. I was going to say they're very adjacent to one another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, when, when you look at how horror evolved, you know, you'd see more of, you know, again, the giant monsters and then kind of the doppelganger type deal, a lot more aliens, but, um, you know, you, you don't stray too far away from the originals because even though Universal toyed with, you know, all the classics, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Invisible Man, things like that, um, Hammer uh, Horrors, you know, uh, became a big deal over there in um, England. And they started messing with redoing Dracula, redoing Frankenstein, redoing the mummy and things like that. So there's still room for those classics in the fifties, because again, once you started kind of messing with the sci-fi element, okay, we've got our fill of that. People start to kind of forget about what came the decade before. And then we get swept back over with, you know, Christopher Lee as Dracula. And, you know, that, that was, you know, a fun time because now you get to have a reinvention of, you know, a classic monster. I believe they had to change the name initially because they didn't want to get sued by Universal or something like that. So, um, but over the years it became, you know, cause he was Dracula and that just became what they called it. But I believe it had a different name. I wrote a note down for that somewhere, but I've got so many fucking pieces of paper what, around was here. Was that, that something? What was the deal? I thought there was something like that for Nosferatu as well, as far as the naming of it. Yeah, like they so, couldn't use Dracula, so they used Nosferatu instead. So they took the, something like that? They took the story of Bram Stoker's Dracula and I uh, made Nosferatu and Bram Stoker's widow sued the studio um, because it was basically his story. And, it, you know, it, but they thought they were being slick by changing names and everything. And it's like, eh, it's still, you know, you're flying a little too close to the sun there, kid Icarus. Relax. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, you know, people think these days, oh, man, people are like so trigger happy to sue people. It's not just these days. People are suing back in the 20s, you know, in the 50s and everything, too. Um, the Dracula uh, film with Chris Lee was a horror of Dracula. So um, so it's like it still had Dracula in it, but I think they didn't want to just make it simply Dracula. <laughs> Dracula is one of those guys where like, you know, like... You know, he's so popular and so this, but the book was just god awful. I hated it so much. And I read it. And I thought that the cool part was like when they were on the cross the cross Atlantic ship. But other than that, I just thought I was like, oh, this is just awful. But but you know, it, the, 
the book was written, you know, in the 1800s, and I'm not going to, you know, begrudge the the author, Bram Stoker, that right now, especially since they've done great stuff with it. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's always the beauty of filmmaking is you can take a book and kind of keep the elements from the book and add a little bit more flair to the film to give it some personality. Because, I mean, again, when we're reading a book, I mean, you know, a good writer can sell you a story. Like I remember reading The Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen the movie, but I read the book. And then when I watched the movie, like it's it, it was everything to that uh from the book to the movie felt perfect it felt like they, they created the perfect visual for me so I, that's that rare like I too because i thought usually nowadays the books are usually better for me because but but that's pretty good if they can create that perfect visual for you that's exactly what you want when you see there's still details from the book that that they didn't touch upon in the movie but as far as the actual scenery and layout you know right. it, they did very well um no but like you know it's funny that we we talk about some of these older the older dracula book but one of the things that i was like when you first said like the 50s i was like oh no are all the movies just gonna suck because it's the 50s you know i was like and, and I'm not going to say that they didn't suck for the most part, but they it was still, you could appreciate, like, like you know, a lot of things were still different back then. Like, mm -hmm. I noticed and I take, like, the movie Them, like, the god-awful noise you hear every time you see one of the ants, like, Jesus Christ, that, that like, loud siren, like, crazy siren sound that you hear that they accompany the ants each time you're like this is just awful sound sound effects and like it's just oh it's so or like you know every time something happens they have the the dang, dang, you know like the explosive music and it's just like things have changed and things are more subtle now and and of course we have better sound engineering now we have better sound quality and but we also have, I think, better acting. I feel like some of the acting, I don't know why, but was it still stage acting? Like, it seems over the top at times. So, that like, was hey, so Bill, cool. let's go search this basement right here and, and we'll see what we find. You know, yeah, that, that was something I brought up in the uh, 40s and 30s a little bit, too, where I think a lot of the acting did this weird transition because when you're in the 20s, you know, you're kind of coming from stage acting and plays and things like that. And when you get into the 30s, there's this transition that's not very smooth just right. yet. But they're getting there. You can see them going there. Then in the 40s, you can see the set becomes a little bit more dynamic. They start working with special effects. Uh, you know, special effects were a thing, you know, in the 20s in, in their own right, too. But when you get to the 40s, you can start seeing this transition from stage acting to what becomes you know film and now granted we're only using horror movies as kind of our base for this this information so you have to keep in mind too in the 30s we had wizard of oz you know um I, I, my wife has a mass collection of all these movies from like 
the 30s and the 40s that she was so excited. And I was like, no, no, baby, we're not talking about those. We're talking about horror movies. So she was definitely disappointed. But um, but the thing is, when, when you get to the acting of, you know, each decade and kind of being different, I felt like the 40s started to kind of, you know, really pull it together. But then in the 50s, it's almost like, yeah, things kind of took a, a weird turn now. I do know, like, once you start getting into the 50s and horror movies started becoming more mass produced, you started getting into the lower budget films, or as we call them, the B, B films, you know. And you know, I feel like in some cases, a lot of those movies might have suffered from, you know, the lower budgets and not necessarily bringing in the exact top talent. But I, I did see, like, in the blob we had steve mcqueen you know you know and and it's like oh okay cool bullet himself still you know yeah exactly when i saw that i was like oh snap bullet and you know the acting for the most part was fine but you did have some spots where it was just like okay you know was that the late 50s the blob Mm -hmm. and and, and mcqueen was in that because i know mcqueen by the time i guess he did bullet it was like the later 60s right and so he wasn't quite yes. the the crazy super popular star at the time that he did the blob i feel like and Correct. once again I, I you would know better than me but i feel like that a lot of times horror wasn't it, it wasn't a place that a-list actors necessarily wanted to go you know they, they yeah. were they were films that were a little less than yeah. Well, I mean, even, you know, to, you know, to this day, so I feel like in the twenties, thirties and forties, you're okay to be in a horror film. That was fine. I mean, you know, we, we had Bella, Bella Lugosi who prior to uh, becoming Dracula had been in 37 some odd films. You know, he was a star, but so he wasn't just a horror guy, but, mm-hmm. but then he's best known for. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, right. And, and then you had, you know, stars like Lon Chaney Jr. He did a lot of other films besides, you know, horror films. Now, you know, when I go down the list, there are quite a few horror films there, though. You know, it's it's, it's just that, like, these days, I would say really probably from the 60s, maybe 70s up, you know, horror movies started becoming this thing where people didn't want to get into them, but you had a lot of prominent stars debut or have some early roles in horror films. I mean, we just did Leprechaun. That's where we got introduced to Jennifer Aniston. Kevin Bacon did Friday the 13th. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, uh, Oscar Uh, winner, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, just, you know, she started in Halloween and then The Fog and then Prom Night, you know, so horror, it's funny because people like to take digs at horror, but we have talent that comes out of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it may not be that every horror movie has a bunch of talent that comes out. I mean, I think you, uh, Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger were in uh, uh, A Texas Chainsaw. I think it might have been the third one. Um, you know, so when when you look at the history of horror movies and actors who are in them, you might get, you know, your actors at a young age early on just trying to get their foot in in the industry and then they get picked up from there. But it's unfortunate that, you know, as time goes on, I feel like these days now, 
it's a little different because I mean, one of the big stars of today is Jenna Ortega. And last year she was in four or five horror movies and in fucking counting, you know, it's like, you know, you see Jenna Ortega is like, oh, put her in a horror movie. She'll be all right. <laughs> like she'll well, make yeah, it na- Now, you know, horror is such people have accepted that it's popularity and how big a big budget they can be. And, and it's nothing to be in one now, but I feel yeah. like some of these, like I was reading about Vincent price, our man who is in two of the movies. Yeah. We, we watched the fly and in, in house on haunted Hill. Um, mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah, I, I have to tell you a story at the fly that I read about Vincent price, but, um, you know, yeah, he was like a character actor at the beginning. Like, I think he was in like the Ten Commandments, and, and he was in in a lot of different movies. But once he did House of Wax, and then and then he did, you know, I guess it must have been maybe it was The Fly after that. But then he did House on Haunted Hill, and he did, and he just became a, a, a synonymous with horror so much that you know the first I had ever heard of him was when he his spoken word on Thriller. You know what I mean? At the, yeah. at the end of the song, that that was the first. I was like, "Who the hell is that?" And my dad's like, "That's Mr. Horror himself. That's Vincent Price." But you know, I think back then it's kind of like he was like, "Well, I'm kind of in it now." You know, it's yeah. kind of he got once he started doing a few. It's kinda, that's I don't know how many directors, and I, I don't know this, but I don't know that a ton of directors were, you know, running to give him the next Oscar-winning role. You know what I mean? Like he kind of became Mr. Hart, right? Yeah, that, that's the thing that's unfortunate. Again, it's like people just look at horror and it's like, you know, oh, it's it's just you know kind of a gimmick. And when you look at you know horror movies over the years, I mean, again, once you get into the seventies, I think the seventies in itself had so many great horror films that you know probably if you know these guys in the Oscar committee weren't sitting around smelling their own farts, you know, they'd actually look at these movies and say, oh my god, this is actually a, a fun movie. This is a good movie. You got The Exorcist, which was nominated. Um, the was Omen, it really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, um, I'm pretty well, sure it, it won some awards, but see, not Best Picture. There you go, though. Like, wasn't Gregory Peck, wasn't he the the um, the, uh, the guy in The Omen? Wasn't that him? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, by then, it's acceptable to be in a horror. You're not going to be yes. kind of like relegated to the horror bin like Vincent Price might have been, you know, like people of note. Now, I think it's changed some and started to maybe back then. Yeah. Well, I feel like in the mid 2000s, we really start to get a little bit more respect for the horror genre. Um, I mean, and, and there are flashes. I mean, again, when Scream came out in 96, oh, yeah, dude. you know, that that was big news. Uh, I mean, the Blair Witch Project, you know, made some noise. Genius. And then yeah. it kind of died down for a little bit as far as the popularity and the popular demand and the critics. And then you come back around to Insidious, uh, Sinister, uh, The Conjuring. What else was there? Uh, Hereditary. Things like that started hitting. And then suddenly the critics were paying attention again. You know, nothing's still getting nominated for major, like, you know, best picture, best actor awards or best, you know, supporting actor, stuff like that. But, you know, horror is a genre right now that's starting to, you know, get its its footing again. But every decade, 
when we have horror, we start to get this this sense of like we're back on the map, and then it starts to eat itself alive. Uh, and that's why I think the fifties and the seventies. Uh, I'll, I'll dig a little bit more into the sixties and find out as well. But like, and I'm a little bit more well versed with the seventies because you know, as a kid, that was a lot of the horror movies that I grew up watching. Oh, and the classics like like Exorcist, Omen, Rosemary's Baby, some of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween. Yeah, yeah, I, I, alien, alien, yes. Um, and um, um, the the thing is, it's like, you know, when you look at the fifties, horror actually had a lot of diversity. You know, again, you know, we had, you know, the aliens, we had the monsters, we had the mad scientists, we had, we, you know, you come back to House on Haunted Hill, so you, you know, you get back to the haunted house and the ghost you know you have different varieties now you know where you could say oh, maybe i'm not so much into you know uh you know giant alligators or mutant alligators or or you know mutant flies you know maybe i'm more into like the haunted house so you have that option there or you say maybe i'm not into that and i want to you know delve more into war of the worlds you know so you have right. options um whereas in the 40s again and a lot of it can be kind of attributed to you know the world being at war so films were kind of you know it was like look what can we make quick and it was just like let's go back to these sequels let's just run it back again we got our actors here we got boris karloff we got bella lugosi we got you know Lon Chaney Jr., let's go ahead and just make another sequel. Let's make another Wolfman movie. Let's make another Frankenstein movie. Throw there are Abbott many, Costello many of the Fly movies, you know, the Return of the yeah. Fly, the, mm-hmm. you know, whatever of the Fly. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's not the, you know, knock, you know, sequels, because sequels can be fun. But the thing is, if you, and, and this would be something that comes up when we get to the 80s, is again you get very formulaic and just like okay it's business as usual the same thing happens whereas like with the 50s and it was kind of the same thing to some degree in the 50s even though there was a lot of diversity with the the different styles of movies you do get to a point where it is kind of business as usual whether it be you know aliens coming down from another planet you know doppelgangers taking us over you know, or, you know, the mad scientist, which, you know, we get the mad scientist early on with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde anyway, but the the 50s really put the mad scientist front and center there. <laughs> yeah, that, that was part of that, that, uh, the, the evil that man can do when he's in charge of technology run amok, you know? Yes. Or he's oh. he's he's insane with the technology to do something terrible. This is what could happen. Yeah, and and that's that's the again the big fear is like we are our own worst enemies. You know, the humans. You know, we're like okay, let's go. Like I think uh, an old classmate of mine just sent me a message on Instagram. I, I'm sure it's probably old. Let me see if I can find it real quick. And I, I just reply was like of course they did well you know why wouldn't why wouldn't this be a thing he was talking about old viruses you know being resurrected it was like of course 
you know, <laughs> let's see here. What's, what's the article? Hopefully my volume's down. Scientists have revived a zombie virus that spent four, four, uh, 48,000 years frozen in permafrost. It's like, why are we reviving old viruses? Like, what are we doing, dude? <laughs> so, and that goes back to the 50s of the mad scientists. It's like, oh, oh let's fuck with nature. Let's tinker with things. Let's see what's going to happen. And then when it happens, right. it's like, oh, I fucked up. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah that, that is the 1950s. And that's like the fly. That's kind of what's going on. He's screwing with nature and he's screwing with things. But something as insignificant as a fly gets mixed in. And this crazy, insane shit starts to happen. And I think that the fact that it was this insignificant little housefly is is not lost on me as, as a viewer. You know, he didn't put a giant lion in there. He didn't put a wolf. He, something so insignificant. But when, you know, we're messing with the unknown and we're messing with this technology, you know. Yeah, it, yeah things can... One thing I will say... <laughs> I read this uh, something with Beth Vincent Price, and they said that they had to do this, the scene, this, the, I mean, this the corny scene where like the the end where they find the fly in the spider's nest, going help me, help me. <laughs> they said that they said they had to do that, like some ridiculous amount of times because Vincent Price couldn't stop laughing his ass off, like like listening to this like. Help me, help me, and just seeing what he was supposed to be looking at, like in, in that scene, he said he couldn't stop laughing. It was just too much, and and you know, <laughs> I can imagine maybe back then it would would have been you know something, but it it just looked kind of like kind of hilariously stupid now, and and that's yeah. one of the things I think that I I kind of expected. When, when we went back to watch 1950s is the lack of special effects. Like, yeah. now some of these were good. Like, the, the fly actually didn't look too bad, but I read that, that that fly head was like 20-some pounds that guy had to wear. Like, mm. like, like that actor had to wear. And it just like, you know, but the special effects, House on a Haunted Hill, had a cool. What did you think of the? I thought the plot was. I thought it'd be cooler if it was straight paranormal, but the plot was like this guy exposing his wife and her lover who were trying to kill him, right? But but yeah. like the special effects were kind of just like, eh, that's so kind of disappointing. I mean, it's nineteen fifty nine, so I think that's where you know budget. You know, it comes into the play of it. And I feel like for the special effects for that film, um, they definitely were kind of on the the weaker side of it, even for the times. Right. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It's funny because I have a hard time separating from the original and then the remake. I believe the remake came out in '99. Yeah, I, I um, went on a date and it was in 99 when I was 21 to see it on Halloween. I feel like when I first saw that, I'd been dating Sarah for a little while. I think it was a year later. It had to have been a year later um, because they had it on DVD. Her friends had it on DVD 
it might have been VHS. I don't know. Uh, but I remember they had a ho- little Halloween party. It was just, you know, all of us kids got together and uh, we watched. It was on in the background. We we're all like playing, like we had like a pool table down there. We played Twister, stuff like that. But I remember, you know, everybody wanted to play games and I, I was into this movie. I was like, no, no, I want to watch this movie. You guys got a horror movie. Oh, no, I thought it was a pretty good movie. I haven't seen it since 99. I watch so it's it. It's been almost 25 years, time. but. Is it, it worth like, does it still I, hold up? Nah, I wouldn't say that much, but it, it's it's like you have to kind of go into it understanding that look, this movie came out in '99. Like you, you don't go in expecting a whole bunch. It's like when I go back and rewatch um anything, like when I go back and rewatch Point Break, which will be coming up soon for me. I love um, I still that still holds up for me though. You know? Absolutely. And that's what I mean. It's like you go back and watch Point Break. I can, you know, see it and be like, okay, this still holds up. This is still fun. It's still good. I watch House on Haunted Hill, and I'm not saying it's a bad movie by any means, but it feels like, okay, if they redid this again today, I think, you know, this would go a little different. That would go different. Whereas you watch Point Break, and it's like, mm, no. You know, the only credible remake to Point Break that they had was Fast and the Furious. And we've got, 10 movies out of that so yeah well, and, and I, I think maybe in in the defense of house on the haunted Hill, just to play devil's advocate maybe they were trying to do like point break it's like once you get that they were doing fighting and action and that might be a little more it might be easier to do than to mm-hmm. create effects where it's more than a stuntman one thing i remember about that house on the haunted hill was the it was overdone and stupid within a year, but the way the doctor moved was the first time I saw somebody move yeah. unnaturally like that in, in the camera. And I thought, wow, that's creepy. And within a year, I was like, this is the dumbest shit ever because now everybody, every movie's doing it. But that doctor in that movie was the first time I'd ever seen a character move like that. And it was creepy initially, you know? I remember that being done in 13 Ghosts shortly thereafter now both films were done by uh dark castle productions and so it's like okay that makes sense because anytime i watch both of those films being you know relatively similar to each other um i always got a feel of marilyn manson i mean in you know house on a hill they play <laughs> sweet dreams and then oh, in, that um, one that came? oh man yeah <laughs> and then uh um, 13 Ghosts, the Jackal looked like Marilyn Manson. Dude, and, like, I have to say, I, like, can't, a little bit. I can't stand 13 Ghosts, but I, I liked, I remember liking House on Haunted Hill, but I couldn't stand 13 Ghosts. And I'm oh, a man, huge... I um, love that movie. Th- yeah, I remember you saying that in one of your podcasts, and I just, I didn't like any of the ghosts. I thought the ghosts were over the top and cartoony, you know? Really? Huh. I mean, I just know, like, just personal uh, opinion, huh? yeah. Oh no, absolutely. I think that's the thing that kind of gets lost these days in discussion is like you didn't like Thirteen Ghosts. Like there'll be so many people like, oh my god, you didn't like that movie. And it's like no, you know, you didn't like it. it, it it's like, um, you know, we're we're allowed to have an opinion. We're allowed to like or dislike something, and people get so territorial over properties. It's like relax dude <laughs> it's just an opinion 
Um, like I, I really enjoyed it. And one of the things I enjoyed about the, they didn't do it, but I would love it if they did is the 13 ghosts in themselves. I wanted more of the backstories because on the, on the right, DVD, right. you get the, uh, you can click on the black Zodiac and, and see the story, like kind of like a five, if maybe not even a five minute clip of all the ghosts and their story. And it's like, okay, I want more. I need more of these stories. Like, I think that's what really drew me into that film. But, um, you know, as as you look at the film in itself, it is kind of goofy. A lot of shit doesn't make sense. But it was still fun for me at the time. And I think it holds like one of those uh, core memory moments for me back then. When I found out it was a remake, I went back and hunted down the original one. And that, that one's going to get uh, discussed in the 60s but that i enjoyed that movie for what it did for its time at least now oh i didn't realize there was a sequel to house on haunted hill called return to house on haunted hill oh really oh my stars i might have to watch this, what is I, this I had actually no clue i, I had no clue there was a, a sequel at all yeah, well, the sequel to the 99 one. I, I got to pay to watch this, so I'm not going to be doing that. We only do free movies in this house. <laughs> like, we don't <laughs> hey, man. Money. Yeah. I, like, and for anyone that's wondering, no, I, I, I don't have a, I don't jailbreak my fire stick. I don't do illegal streams. But if you do, let me know and we can connect, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't I wouldn't even know how to do that off the top. Luckily, you know, a lot of times when you you talk about movies from the 50s, they're in the public domain, you know? Yes. So uh, like yeah. House on Haunted Hill is public domain. And so it's <laughs> there are 80 versions of it on YouTube that you can watch. It, it, you know, them is the same. There's a million versions on YouTube. So it's Wait, easier to, to watch a bunch of stuff in the 50s. For the 50s, I didn't have any trouble finding any of the films I wanted to watch. The 40s, I actually had a little little bit more trouble, so I ended up having to rent several movies. And I was just like, what the no fuck? Shit, man. <laughs> I have so, to spend money. I don't even make money from this. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to – I don't know if you have – I wanted to run a couple of things by you that I noticed in some of these, these movies that I thought were kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Did you notice uh, – Lieutenant Spock in them. No. Leonard Nimoy was one of the soldiers at one point. He had a very small role, very small role, but he was a soldier. And the the two police officer guys from the beginning that were found the little girl. Yeah, yeah. And you know, also investigated the trailer that was ripped to pieces. And the one that lived longer, because one of them died at like when they went to find that grandpa and that shop i guess he was dragged off by an ant well the one that lived longer and died towards the end that dude was uh the old man brooks hatland in shawshank redemption so he he was he was in, and i was trying to figure out where i knew him from i had to look it up i didn't just pull it out you know but i was like why is that face familiar and i looked him up and he had been in, he was the one of the the main old man in shawshank redemption that, uh, new huh. Andy. So, so I thought that was kind of cool. One of the weird, unfortunate things, and I always get shit for this from a lot of people. I still have not seen Shawshank Redemption, even though I oh have it, goodness. I own it, and I just haven't watched it. It's not that there's no desire to watch it. It's just like 
when I sit down and watch it, I feel like it's one of those films that if I'm going to watch it, I want my phone to be like in a separate room. I don't want to be bothered by anyone. I want to be able to focus on, I want to be wide awake. And I think there's never really been a moment where I'm like either wide awake or my phone's away from me. So I still have yet to have seen that film and I feel like such a piece of shit for it because no, I mean, Hey, you know, it, it's all right. Like there are movies that I, I, I still never have read or seen any of the Harry Potters and I hear they're great, you know, but yeah, I, I will yeah. say the Shawshank, I read the Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption by Stephen King and the movie actually adds a couple, it changes one or two things that actually make it better than the, the original story. And and I thought the same with the body, which turned into Stand by Me. I thought Stand by Me added okay. changed some things from the body that made the movie better than the story. So those are definitely two that are worth checking out. Oh, but, for sure. I'll, I'll, well, I'm definitely gonna look. Shawshank Redemption. Like I said, it's on my list. I own the movie. That that will be checked out. And then um, I always forget that that was. Um, book as well i know there's such you know popularity behind the story the movie and the book and i always just forget one exists with you know before the other you you know the 50s the thing i i apologize for for changing back to the 50s but you brought something up like no just, we, we that's perfect because we should be in the 50s anyway no no but like i think one of my favorite like uh he was a huge writer for the uh, the Twilight Zone, Richard Matheson. Yes, I he, he wrote that. a ton of stuff, yep. and he wrote he actually wrote I Am Legend, and mm-hmm. and I actually you know I remember reading that, and it's it's I don't know if you would call it a novella or a short story or what I'm not sure the length difference in lengths, but it's like seventy pages, yeah. and I'm not sure if that qualifies. But the reason that he was legend in the story. I thought was like so much cooler than any any of the Omega Man or Vincent Price did one of the uh, the first I think I yeah. imagine style, but like that was also a 1950s book and I think that you had a lot of like what him and Ray Bradbury and a lot of good scary story writers back then, and I think you had a lot of original ideas coming out back then, and whether or not they were executed the way we like to see them today because they didn't have the acting down or the sound quality down or the special effects down. You can argue that, that they weren't, they're not, you don't like them because of that stuff. But I will say, you know, all these ideas were pretty original. You know, we, we had a lot of good original ideas in the fifties and, you know, something we we, 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 we lack a little of these days because I feel like we're remaking a lot of things. I and mean, we still have some good original ideas, but, you know, sure. I feel like things were so fresh and, and, and original. I feel like the 50s was kind of the beginning of that, though, because, again, you know, you had the 20s where you're coming back from a lot of uh, literary, um, you know, adaptations and even the 30s as well. And, you know, some remakes in itself you know, specifically Phantom of the Opera and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, being remade, Hunchback of Notre Dame, things like that. Then you get into your your 40s and you start to see 
again, sequels galore. But it, I'm not blaming the industry. Again, the world was in a different place. And then once we get into the 50s, you start to get, you know, a, a lot of different sci-fi stories, a lot of writings. You got, you said Ray Bradbury, you know, uh, you know, authors of that that nature. And I feel like once the 50s hit, we start to see this change in, in storytelling where we go into, you know, the 50s and the 60s. You know, we start to get a lot of horror suspense, a lot of uh, thrillers going into the 60s. And then the 70s, you start to really get into your religion. And then you start getting slashers. And then you start to get back to sci-fi. Then you start getting back to nature. You know, and I feel like that 50s, 60s, and 70s, you start to get a lot of good original content that felt meaningful. And once you get to the 80s, you had a lot of fun content. I don't want to say it wasn't meaningful, but it was really, really fun. A lot of us hold it dear to our hearts. And, you know, what we all like is very specific to all of us. But sometimes you look back on some of those things in the 80s and it's like, ugh, it's tough to go back and watch, but it's fun. It's funny how we made a child molester, child murderer, like a super like, like media (laughs) star in the 1980s. You got it. You got to love the time, you know, and he still is near and dear to many people's hearts. You know, I, I, I point that out all the time when we talk about, you know, Nightmare Elm Street. I'm like, dude, I don't know if you guys know this, but he's a bad person. (laughs) Yeah. He's in the lunchbox. He is a child molester and a murderer. And yeah, he's not. But you know what's funny, though, is that so many things that that we even watched in the 80s and 90s were influenced by some of these movies in the 50s. Like, I remember the Treehouse of Horror. Yeah. They've done The Fly. They did The Fly when Homer bought the matter he bought the matter transporters at a garage yeah. sale for like 35 cents or something and and Bart went in there with a fly and thought he'd turn himself into a superhero and he they even parodied the help me help me in the in the uh yeah. spider you know like I mean like a lot of these things like ha- affect you know, I mean, not not only that, but we're remaking these movies. You know, I'm surprised we remade The Fly with Jeff Goldblum in '86, and that movie is pretty freaking popular. You know what I mean? We remade House on Haunted Hill in '99. Them, I've not um, seen us remake them. No, but um, but the the thing originated from uh, the thing from right. another world. So, you know, a lot of our popular you know 80s 90s horror came from the 50s yeah the blob and, and you one. know yeah a, a lot of these you know what's interesting is is they uh these 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 were like i still i'm still looking like i still when i i look at these posters i was like i really want to see these movies and i know they're not that great because they're 1950s movies but i just love the posters so much like like the poster for them looks fantastic and makes me want to see the movie even though i know the movie's not that great you know it was probably great back then but it's really not that great well that's the thing it's like 
again, by today's standards, probably not great. But it, it is weird because, you know, sometimes I say, man, I wish I could go back and, you know, see these, you know, films, you know, for the first time back in its air. Um, just to kind of get a feel for what the world was like, what audiences were like. Um, you know, you had some 3D films really, you know, taking prominence in the 50s as well, even though 3D, you know, was a thing prior in the 20s. But, you know, in the 50s, you start to kind of get that attached to some horror films. I mean, 13 Ghosts in the 60s utilized 3D glasses, which was kind of part it, of the main theme in the remake. I heard, I heard about that. Like, I wonder how good the 3D was at the time. Because I remember, like, Friday the 13th Part 3 was, like, also, like, a th 3, Part 3, yeah. 3D. Because mm -hmm. I honestly am not a huge fan of 3D even now. No, not nor am I. But, you know, I, I wonder how good it was then, you know? I don't I, – I feel like even though I'm not crazy about 3D to this day, I still feel like, you know what, I'm pretty sure our, you know – it, it, back then, it was not fantastic. But again, right. if you think about the times. You, you think about You're, the times, it's like, okay. And you've got a good valid point. Like, how would it be if... You, I would like to see, like, somebody seeing the movie Them in 1954, Friday night in, in a theater, you know? Yeah. You know, me, me having long hair and you being black, I'm not sure we would have been welcome in the theater, but, you know... Uh, no, yeah, probably not. Yeah, but you know, it still would be good to. It, it'd have been cool to go back and see. You know what I mean? Like how the audience yeah. reacted, or, or how people reacted then. Always joke with my wife about. Um, it's like you, you know what's not a fun game is time machine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, let's not mess with that thought. And my daughter's always yeah. like, "Man, I want to invent a time machine and go back in time." I was like, "No, you don't." Yeah, <laughs> not not unless you can turn white <laughs> and and become a male. Because I mean, if you're a woman back, back yeah, then, yeah, it's true. probably not going great for you. But you're right. At okay. least I can. At least I can cut my hair. You know, <laughs> you can't. True. I couldn't take my son or my wife back. You know, uh, probably not a not the best of options back then. But you know, just bring you know bring them a souvenir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 good. It's good to be in the 2020s with biracial children like we have, you know. Yes, absolutely. You know, it, it's it, it's kind of a weird thing, you know, messing with these movies from other decades. And then again, as I sit there and I look through them, and you know, I have to keep in mind, like, oh yeah, this is the 1940s, 30s, 50s, whatever it may be. You know, it's like, huh, I don't see a lot of black folks in these films. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to. I mean, you know, you, you get one, you know, from time to time. I mean, once we get to the 60s, we'll get a Night of the Living Dead, and we'll have. But that was that was revolutionary, and to have yeah. not only that, but to have a a black man slap a white woman on film, dude. Like when I saw that. That I was, was like. Oh no, you didn't. You that didn't. was like revel. Like George Romero was the shit. Like he was pretty revolutionary in, in his forward thinking. And but I'll tell you, I tell you though, I think towards the fifties, towards the end of the fifties, you did have some more forward thinking people, like uh, um, what's his face, Twilight Zone. 
Oh, Rod Sterling. Rod Sterling. There you go. Like Rod Sterling was very, very progressive and very forward thinking. And he, but he was not, he was not the norm, you know, but you, you started to get people that were like very uh, aware of the, the social (laughs) fabric of the day and just like things that were still taboo. And they started to try to chip away at, at people, you know, and, make them think about mental health, make them think about race relations, make them think about, you know, different political stances they may have, you know, and I think, you know, obviously it it all has to start somewhere. And I think the fifties were a really good, good place for a few people to start making their voices heard with ideas that maybe were a little different than, you know, the thought of the day, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, Especially absolutely. people like Rod Serling, you know. Well, yeah. There's um, what was it? Uh, Lucille Ball. Uh, Lucille uh, Ball. If it wasn't for her and um, Desi Arnaz, the Twilight Zone would not have actually happened. Oh, they, really? Uh, they're they're responsible that. for that. They, and you know, when you're talking about um, you know, kind of the the whole thing with, you know, calling people communists back, you know, in the day. That was a big thing with uh, Lucille Ball. They they really attacked her. Uh, I believe because it was her grandfather, something to do with her grandfather, and they were calling her a communist. And um, we we watched on Prime. I believe it was called Being the Ricardos. I believe. Oh, was and, that the one with Nicole Kidman or something? I think. She yes. Was, okay. Mm-hmm. It it surprisingly was actually pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, going in, I was like, oh, Nicole Kim is a little ball. Get the fuck out of here. And I was like, oh, my God, this is actually really fucking good. It was engaging and everything. And then, you know, my wife and I started, like, looking more and more stuff up about them. And, um, you know, they had a big hand in um, getting the Twilight Zone on air. Uh, I mean, it's because of them that we have syndication. Um, you know, so the 50s for, you know, all the craziness that was going on um you know like you said we had you know four thinkers you know i mean again lucille ball was married to a cuban man back in the you know 50s i was gonna yeah yeah, like that right there man is is enough of a reason to that she probably was accused of communist being a communist yeah you know and and you know to you know the credit of the studio i mean they stood behind them um, you know, to some degree. I mean, there, there, you know, was a point where they're like, okay, but um, early on, I think the execs were like, look, you know, these are our people. They're the number one show on TV. You know, we, you know, they, they we're going to change the world with, you know, these people here, and and this thing called television. So, you know, as time went on, you know, they they really made the changes. I mean, the Twilight Zone hitting in '59 and going into the '60s. Um, you know, again, they, they tackled some, some subjects that weren't necessarily things that people would say, you know what, let's, and I mean, these are topics back then that are still kind of taboo now. I mean, I post a lot about mental health on, uh, BJJ wiki, um, and mental health awareness. And, you know, I get some people that still give me shit about it. And it's like, look, man, like, you know, and this is 2023 people are still, you know, really salty about it so imagine just in the 50s you know when when you 
look at the world and you know they're playing with these ideals on television so it's like they were called they, the they really, generation for a reason yeah you know? true very they, true they, you didn't talk about mental health you didn't talk about these mm -hmm. things exactly and and the thing is um you know again like the quote from them uh you know from scientists i mean basically movies horror movies entertainment period of the 50s you know there's a portal that was opened that you know we moved forward and it's amazing what came from the horror genre as the decades continued on because like once we get out of the 50s into the 60s things start to get a little bit more um risque when it comes to you know religion because in, in the late 60s we're going to get rosemary's baby uh we'll also get night of the living dead where we get you know a black man as a lead actor and he slaps the shit out of a white woman which <laughs> you know even as a kid i saw that shit and i was like oh he about to get fucked up <laughs> it was like that like you know as a kid i'm thinking this shit is real it's like oh my god like how's this guy gonna get out of this situation fuck those zombies um, I was gonna say the, the, the mad white men in the neighborhood are the worst. <laughs> They're like, scarier yeah. than the zombies are. You know, she'll come out and point. You know, just like get them. Um, but you know, it, it's like when when you you know look at just filmmaking and storytelling of the time. And yeah, we had some hiccups, but I mean, you know, in those earlier days, we're still kind of learning. They're still growing. They're still trying to get their foot in with storytelling. And sure, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, you got, you know, three, four decades there where people are still trying to get their foot in. I mean, movies, entertainment is ever changing. So, you know, like I said, you get to a point in the 80s where it feels like, okay, cool, everything's coming about, and then it starts to eat itself alive. I mean, the 80s and the 90s are a perfect example of that. When you get so many sequels, you just start to puke at the thought of it. But you also <laughs> had the birth of so many wonderful, iconic characters. I mean, you know, again, in the 70s, you get Leatherface, you get uh, Damien, you get, um, you know, uh, Reagan from The Exorcist, you get uh, Michael Myers. You get Ripley from Alien. You get, you know, in the 80s, you start to get your Freddy Krueger, your Jasons, you know, uh, Chucky, you know, and, and, you know, the list goes on. But, you know, the thing is, you can do it once, make it great, maybe even twice and it's still okay. But as Scream 3 would tell you, the third movie in the trilogy always fucking sucks. So, and I don't know. I thought Friday the 13th Chapter 3 was pretty good. I like and it. I, I actually didn't mind Scream Three as much as, as 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 it was. Nothing approaches the first one, but you know I didn't mind. It. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. Um, and and my favorite number three of all time is Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Part Three, Dream Warriors. Warriors, man, that was I think when it actually took. That's the definitive movie of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets where it took Freddy to. Superstar status, yeah, because that was the that was the welcome to primetime bitch one, and, mm -hmm. and like we yep. started really fucking with them. You ever watch that documentary, the gayest movie ever made, and it's about Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two and the, the the gay actor who played the lead? Yeah, 
I have that in my I, I haven't seen, Yeah, I've not seen it, but I've seen the trailer, and it looks. I never thought of the movie in 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 like like it was homoerotic or or, or weird, but I, I'm interested to see what this guy says because he said it ruined his career. The funny thing is, I. I I don't know if it was there was a Nightmare on Elm Street documentary. I think that joint is like four hours long or something crazy. And I remember watching that. And if I remember correctly, it might have been that or something else. You know, someone was saying, I think it might have been the director. And someone was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, there's like, I had no clue that there's anything homoerotic going on here. Yeah, I know. Me neither. Like, well, there are like things, it took me a while, but there are a couple parts of the movie. I was like, wait a minute. That seems a little, huh? But you know, but there's a lot of it where you don't really think about it. But um, there are a couple scenes with his best friend that really had me like, hmm. I, you know, but they never really made any claims one way or the other. I know he was, you know, wanting to date the one girl, but they were doing a lot of stuff where it's like, um, I'm not a betting man, but I would say that that guy might like guys too. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't know if they're writing this on purpose that way or if this just happens to, you know, be the character. But either way, um, you know, when it comes to Nightmare on Elm Street, the third one is definitely that was my favorite movie as a kid, weirdly enough. Um, But, you know, as you know, we go through the decades later on, you, you come to find out. You know, there is uh, such thing as too much of a good thing because coming out of the 50s, we start to really get our foot in going into the 60s again. We really, really start to get scrappy in the 70s. They just say, you know what, let's take it to the next level. And the 80s goes, you know, like this is where we really discover special effects and get into it, too. So it's going to be fun kind of going through the rest of these. But uh, It it will be, man. Um, you I'm know, looking as forward as, to, to hearing you guys talk about stuff. Go ahead. Um, no, I'm I'm excited. Like I, I'm just, it's just a matter of how do we bring it all together. But um, like as as we kind of close out the '50s here and just get this uh, all brought together, what was it? There's a. It's funny because whenever I look for a top ten list of movies for each decade, the lists are always so off the wall it's like wait a minute who made this list and then you find a list it's like oh imdb made this list and it's like huh that doesn't seem accurate or rotten tomatoes made this list then i just went and grabbed the top 10 list of the films of the 1950s and i only picked this list because i looked at the the 10 films and i was like oh i like this list right (laughs) right 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 like this one seems like it's dante friendly so um what we had in uh the 1950s uh, working backward from number 10, we had Creature Creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. Number nine was House on Haunted Hill. Number eight was A Thing from Another World. Number seven was A Bucket of Blood. Six was Horror of Dracula. Five, Curse of the Demon. Four, House of Wax. Three, Them. Two, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And number one, Godzilla. So okay, you know it's funny. Like I, I, a lot of the, these movies I've I've actually seen more than I thought, but I think I've seen maybe like four of them, and two of them uh, I just saw because you told me to watch them. 
Wait, I've seen Godzilla, them, House on Haunted Hill. I want to see House of Wax, and I feel like I've seen that at some point, but I can't remember. Yeah, I, I know I've seen it as a kid, and, you know, it was one of those things where it's on, like, you know, late night TV, and I'm not really paying attention. I'm just sitting there like, oh, it's on. I'm scared to go to sleep, though. But I'm not yeah. going to watch it because I'm scared. They had some cool titles, too, like A Bucket of Blood. That's, like, something yeah. you would expect to, you know, some B-horror movie that's extra fucking slashery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. Like like the terrifier, you'd expect bucket of blood to be along the same lines or something, which of course it's yeah. not because it's nineteen fifties. However, one thing I, I, I just I, I liked I like a good I like some of these movies, and I think like Creature from the Black Lagoon. I remember really liking that, but you know what? And you probably ran into this with Universal Monsters. It's cool, but then like. They look cool, but then, like, you know, the wolf man, after he transforms into a wolf, can't run any faster than a grown man at 45 can jog, you know? Or, like, the creature from the Black Lagoon looks like he's straining to pick the girl up and walk into the lagoon like any other guy might. You know, it's not like an extra strength or something. And it's hard to do those things, even as amazing as some of the makeup and effects were you didn't have certain effects you needed like the the strength or the speed or the you know like when they remade wolfman with benicio del toro they they made it like fucking good you know well you know that's kind of the the ideal of the effects back then the effects gave you the look that you're looking for but they definitely weren't practical you know they weren't useful It's like, hey, you know, you have a wolf man here. He should probably be fast. And he's like, dude, I can barely move in this suit. You know, it, it's just, you know, how they how things were. And, and at the time, you know, people probably weren't looking at it that way. They're just thinking like they're looking at the actual specimen and they're afraid of just the visual. But then I'm sure there are people in the 50s after they get back from the drive in. They're thinking, man, I would outrun that fucking wolf man. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Keep up with me. I, I will say, though, I was pretty impressed with the way the giant ants looked, even if they weren't very practical and couldn't really do anything, you know? I think for yeah. its time, it, it definitely worked out. You know, though, I did read something that they initially, almost, one of the guys involved wanted to just use regular-sized ants with camera tricks, and I'm like, that never, ever would have worked. I, I can't imagine. You- Gotta be able to control yeah. the ants. And yeah, the like, yeah, like, yeah, like, I don't think you could use. Yeah, so it's not Ant Man. Fucking relax. <laughs> but this, see, the fifties. Also, last thing I'll, I'll say about the fifties because I know we're up past our bedtimes here. Is this brings up an interesting? I think. The 50s is a good argument for why Jaws can be included in your horror movies of the okay. 70s because of the, the the giant monsters and the giant animals and the, you know, creatures. I think that that is an argument for Jaws being able to qualify as both, no, as both a thriller action movie and a, a horror movie, you know? Yep, I, no, I agree. Um, it's a perfect always, slasher too. 
Um, as I always say with horror movies, you know, when we get into the territory of sci-fi versus horror versus thriller versus suspense versus horror comedy, you know, if there's still some scary element to it, it 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 counts and it matters. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we we just did Leprechaun, and my co-host was like, "Well, it's more of a comedy." It's like it's a horror comedy for sure, you know. But you know, like with Jaws. I mean, it 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 ruined the beach for a lot of people for a very long time. So. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, hell, I don't really have any reason to go back in the ocean. I've seen Shark Week one too many times. <laughs> but you yeah, know, Jaws hasn't helped that. I'll just go in for because sure. my kid will want to get in later. You know. Yeah, I, I haven't been to the beach with my wife and daughter yet. And my daughter's like, Dad, when we go to the beach, you got to come in the water with me. Mm, I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but I'm black and we don't do well in water. And you're half of that. So only half of you do okay in the water. So you you, you might want to rethink this. Like if, if I'm in the water with you, that's one and a half of not good in water. So let's just cool out. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap up on that. Um, work, man. Jonathan, as always, thank you for doing this. Thank you for making the time, man. I really, really appreciate hey, it. Hey, man, not a problem, dude. And if if at any time there's not you need more, there's not enough, feel free to reach out and let me know, man. I don't want to take us too far off topic or something like that. And you know, no, but, no, absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. And always, always have a good time. Well, yeah, I, I, I love just talking with you in general. It's like we can talk on any topic, dude. So like, that, that's that's what I enjoy about having you on here is like we can talk and we can go on tangents and that we always get back to base. So I appreciate it. Um, and, you know, we'll we'll definitely connect for, you know, another upcoming episode. Um, that, sounds, that sounds good, man. It sounds All good. Right. And I, uh, yeah, definitely reach out to me. Now it's, uh, I'm in the middle of watching Severance on Apple, so I'm going to go try to get in half an episode before I fall asleep. All right, uh, I got a House on Haunted Hill in the background right now playing. Uh, oh, so there you go, man. I'm going to go ahead and close this out here. Um, as always, everybody listening, thank you. Uh, if you all have any questions, concerns, criticisms, always feel free to reach out. You can catch me at So You Like Horror on Instagram, all the words separated by underscores, or any of my other Instagrams, bjj.wiki, or So You uh, hmm, Off the Mats podcast, or even Colompton Bear Club, whichever one. If you like podcasts, you like hearing me talk about bullshit, come listen to any of those. You'll get a lot of it. Um, <laughs> otherwise, shout out and thank you again to our. Uh, co-host here jonathan and this is the 1950s and up next for the podcast we're going to be doing a review of the newest scream so stay tuned for that all right Ooh, nice otherwise everyone as always thank you you guys keep listening we're going to keep making these shows love you all and goodbye ciao peace i think that's good for now the end